We are in Matthew 5. Um, Holly and I have long referred to VBS as Vomit by Sunday. <laughs> you all are experiencing why. Okay. It's long been the case. Because either Trey or Jonathan was always sick by the Sunday after VBS. Always. All right. So it's happened again. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. So we are going through the book of Matthew, and you, most of you are aware of that. And we are... Um, We've gotten a really big picture of who Jesus' background, his identity, and his purpose in Matthew 1 through 4. And now we're getting a, a taste of his teaching through the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew 5. And he has defined what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven in the first uh, 16 verses or so of chapter 5. And he is applying that truth to different teachings that people who were in the Jewish faith uh, would, would hear from the Pharisees. Things like, uh, you have heard it said... Do not murder, but I'm telling you, if you're angry with your brother or sister, you have a heart that's already committed murder and things of this nature. And so we've been kind of working our way right through those things. And today uh, we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 5, 33, where Jesus is going to talk about truth-telling and being a people of our word. So um, let's, let's, uh, let's read it together, Matthew 5, 33 through 37. I'm going to read from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. Jesus says, again, you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. I mean, you can't truly make it white or black. Okay? You can pretend to make it white or black. But let your eyes, you let your yes mean yes, your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. What a weird text, isn't it? If you look back in the context of Matthew 5, we're talking about murder and anger and adultery, and, and lust, and then divorce, and marriage, all super intense, highly relational things. And then there's this thing about speaking the truth, which in our culture seems like it's something less than important compared to lust, compared to marriage, compared to divorce, compared to adultery, compared to murder. But that tells you something about where Jesus is coming from and what he connects uh, to a high value. Jesus is picking all the things about relationships for us to think through. He's applying kingdom citizenship to our relationships. And in a world where everybody likes to run their mouth and express their opinion, and I'm not an exception to that rule, we, Jesus is asking us to tone it down. Jesus is asking us to just say what you mean, mean what you say, do what you say you're going to do, and that's it. He's bringing simplicity and honor and respect back to our speech. He's removing vitriol. He's removing um, manipulation. He's removing all the things that we do in our speech in order to make ourselves look important. 
and he's restoring a God-centeredness, a God-faithfulness to our speech that also restores integrity and character in our relationships. I'm going to show you how that, that fold folds in the text. I, um, when I was 12 years old, my mother walked me into the Presbyterian church on a Monday night in town, and a group of other 12- and 13-year-old boys were inside And there were two other grown men trying to gain control of this room, Bob Reed and Robert Heslop, who would soon be my scoutmaster and my assistant scoutmaster. It was the first time that I walked into the Boy Scouts of America meeting at the Presbyterian uh, Church in town. And that night, I was exposed to the Boy Scout oath, which is as follows. On my honor, (laughs) I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. I still have it memorized. Um, And every Monday night, we would line up at attention with our feet in certain ways and our hands at our side and in uniform, and we would say it in unison together along with the motto, which is... Anybody know? Be prepared. That's right. The slogan, do a good turn daily. And the scout law, which are 12 uh, things that I will not lynch. Even though I could, I won't, I will go down the road. But we would say it, and there was an honor, and there was a ceremony to it. There are other oaths in our culture. There is the Hippocratic Oath. This is the one that doctors will say um, as they become physicians. Here are the first four lines of the Hippocratic Oath. I will respect the hard-won scientific gains of those physicians in whose steps I walk, and I will gladly share such knowledge as is mine with those who are to follow. I will apply for the benefit of the sick all measures that are required, avoiding the traps of overtreatment and therapeutic nihilism. I will remember that there is art to medicine and science, and that warmth and sympathy and understanding may very well outweigh the surgeon's knife or the chemist's drug. And I will not be ashamed to say, I do not know, nor will I fail to call on my colleagues when I do not know, if it will help my patient's recovery. It's fascinating, isn't it? And there there are many, many more aspects to the Hippocratic Oath. Then there's the presidential oath, right? I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And there, there is the, if those of you who are children of the 80s and 90s, there is the all-for-one oath. I swear by the moon and the stars and the sky, I will be there. And I swear, you want to sing it with me? Like the shadow that's by your side, for better or worse, till death do us part, I will love you. <laughs> that's the worst line of every beat of my heart, I, I swear. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Just had, you know, like memories flooding back of middle school love. We don't really talk about others anymore in our culture. In our, in our culture, there are, there are, there's a solemnity and a ceremony that surrounds them. That's a public pledge that a person's going to perform a certain actual duty. Um, 
And so they are, we reserve them in our culture for very special occasions like those that I've, I've read. But I want you to imagine, to make more sense of this text, I want you to imagine a culture where those kinds of statements are a part of everyday speech. You, you couldn't go a day without hearing multiple forms of oaths or swearings going on, right? It reminded me of one, of one of the best B-budget films of my lifetime, The Princess Bride, right? I could give you my word as a Spaniard. And he says, no thanks. You know, the man in black says, no thanks. I've known too many Spaniards. And so he says, I swear on the soul of my father, Domingo Montoya, you will reach the top alive, right? And then there's, you know, may I live a thousand years and never hunt again. And they're, they're on and on and on through the, through the thing. That's the culture in which Jesus lived. There's a, there's a constant and effervescent use in, our, in the language of the Pharisees and of the Jews of O's. They used them all the time. It was just common in their practice. Instead of just saying yes or no in their comings or goings, they created all of these oaths that a wide variety of rules to navigate them, and a master of these rules could then say, and here's where it gets important, that they technically were truth-sayers and that technically they were keepers of their word, but in reality their hearts were anything but truthful and sincere. So on the technicality of the kind of oath that they created and maneuvered and manipulated, they were keeping their word. But it revealed that their hearts really meant something different and were something different. In other words, the Pharisees would shift people's attention away from the vow itself that they were saying and the need to keep that vow. And they would turn their attention to the formula that they would use to make that vow. Okay, I'll give you an example. Um, In the Jewish code of law, it's called the Mishnah, there's a whole section of oaths, like the oath chapter, of all the ways that you could use and manipulate oaths. And, uh, And it includes, like, when you make an oath, when is it actually binding and when is it not? There are rules for that, okay, if you want to unpack that. It's really terrifying. But here's an example. One rabbi would say that if you swear by Jerusalem, I will be there for lunch tomorrow, you are not bound to your oath. But if you swear toward Jerusalem, I will be there by lunch tomorrow, then you are bound to your oath. And how many of us could keep up with the difference, right? I swear by Jerusalem. That sounds... Really important. I will be there for lunch tomorrow. I swear by the city of Jerusalem, the holy city of God, I will be there. But you said by, not toward. So you're not bound to your oath. So if you had said, I swear toward Jerusalem, the holy city, then you definitely would be bound to your oath. That's what they were doing. It gets ridiculous. And this is the thing that Jesus enters himself into. So under the, under the guise of sounding holy and looking holy, sounding above board and looking above board, it looked like in their speech, it sounded like in their speech they were taking truth seriously. But in reality, they had zero respect for the people they were talking to. And because they were using the things of God to make these oaths, they had a very diminished view of the holiness of God and the truthfulness of God. You see what they were doing? 
by creating all these rules and systems to navigate their speech to make themselves look like they were being respectful and looked like they were being holy. They actually were showing a poor view of human beings, low amount of respect, low amount, and a very diminished view of the holiness of God. Now, you and I can rely on technicalities in our speech in an attempt to justify our actions to ourselves and maybe even to others who buy into that sort of thing. But these kinds of technicalities will not justify our heart before the Lord. And that's what Jesus is getting at yet again. He's asked us to look into our hearts when it comes to anger. He's asked us to look into our hearts when it comes to lust. He's He's asked us to look into our hearts when it comes to marriage. And now he's asking us to look at our hearts when it comes to our speech. Okay? Our speech. The fact that we feel the need to resort to technicalities in our speech or oaths in our speech just reinforces how badly our hearts are in need of a transformation. Okay. And this looks different in our, in our culture than it did theirs. I'm going to come to that. But that's where we need to sit for just a second. So Jesus, Jesus brings this corrective that leads to a great deal of respect for those that we interact with, and it demonstrates a high view of holiness and truthfulness of God. And he does, he says two things. You can see this in, in the text, verse 34, 35, and 36, and 37. He says, you can't swear by anything because nothing is yours. Look at verse 34. Don't take an oath at all. Why not? You cannot take an oath at all. Not by earth, because it's God's footstool. Not by heaven, because that is God's throne. Not by, uh, not by Jerusalem, because that is the city of the great king. Not by uh, your head, because you didn't, you didn't make it and you can't control it. Right? We cannot swear by anything. We cannot use the things of this world that God has created to make an oath because God has made them. And we are stewards, not owners. This demonstrates a very high view of God's holiness and truthfulness in our speech. But then Jesus says that we shouldn't swear. Okay? We shouldn't swear by anything because swearing gives life to the possibility of a lie. Verse 37... Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. See, if you, if, if you have to say, look, I, I swear to you, I did not do that. What you're saying is, hey, there's, the, there's a possibility of a lie somewhere out there. But by using the oath, you're actually breathing fire into the lie. You're actually giving it life. You're giving it substance. You're giving it somewhere to be. But if you just say, did you do that? Nope. Any questions? You don't give life to the lie, and you demonstrate a profound respect for the people that you're dealing with. But if you say, no, 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 really, I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, you're introducing the possibility of a lie into the relationship, which doesn't show a whole lot of respect for the person that you're with. So let's 
That's it. That's the text, right? So let's boil this down, though, and make it super, super clear and simple. So um, we, we need to be a simple speech kind of people. Just a yes or a no, not giving a chance for a lie to live, that honors Christ, that shows respect to, to people. And so if you start thinking about this and applying this out through our lives, it actually gets kind of personal really, really quick. Here are three questions that, that I asked myself uh, on the airplane Friday. Have you ever told a story that presented yourself in a more glamorous light than the raw facts really show? Have you ever said that you would do something and instead reneged on those responsibilities because it is personally inconvenient to go through with them? Have you ever fudged the evidence to make a point? These are speech technicalities rather than letting our yeses be yes and our noes be no. Not honest mistakes. I'm not talking about that. It's, it's deceit, which is what these, these manufactured oaths were for the Pharisees. They were, they were tools of deceit that sounded like truth. It's the original disinformation campaign. Okay? And so what Jesus is insisting is that our lives be totally truthful, and you can't be too careful to speak only with the truth. It's about integrity. It's about character. It's saying what we mean, meaning what we say, doing what we say we're going to do. It's that simple. Okay. And then there is this. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. Right? No one comes to the Father except through me, except through the truth. No one comes to the Father except through the truth. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book on this text, says, only those who follow Jesus are living in complete truthfulness. Because he is truth. And if you're not, if you are not um, living with Jesus, you're not living in complete truth. You may be living honestly, but you're not living truthfully. Complete truthfulness is only possible where sin has been uncovered and forgiven by Jesus where the Beatitudes have been experienced. Okay? Only those who are in that state of truthfulness through their confession of sin, those are the people who are not ashamed to tell the truth wherever it must be told. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except through the truth. So Jesus says in verse 37... Let your yes mean yes, and let your no mean no. Anything more than this is not of me. It's not of me. Because he is truth. Let's let's pray together. Um, Father, we are grateful for this word today. It is a tough examination of of our speech. As it turns out, we can't just separate our character and our integrity and our lives from our speech. That there is a direct and necessary relationship between what we say 
and who we are as human beings. As much as we would like to separate those things, that a walk could be different than our talk, that um, our actions could be different than our words. But it is not true. There, there, it's necessarily true that who, we are what we say <laughs> and that we need to be the people who are truthful because we walk and follow the one who, in loving us, is truth. So help us, Father, to be people of the truth, embracing the, the teachings of, of your Son, following him, living honestly in, life, in our relationships with one another as we walk with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.